Welcome to another episode of Phil in the Blank. We need an intro. Let's do an intro. What do you want to do? Who? <laughs> who are you? Who, 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 who? We're talking about Joseph Lister. This is the man, the myth, the legend, also known as the father of modern surgery. Also known as uh, mouthwash? Mouthwash? Yeah, well, Listerine was inspired by actual Joseph Lister, um, a person that was watching and actually uh, named it after him because of just how everything you're about to learn in this podcast is about to describe his uh, medical career. Well, Joseph Lister, also known as the first Baron Lister, um, was born the 5th of April, 1827, and he died on the 10th of February in 1912. Known between 1883 and 1897 as Sir Joseph Lister, um, he was a British surgeon and a pioneer of antiseptic surgery. So Lister promoted the idea of sterile surgery while working at the Glasgow Royal Infirmary. Lister successfully introduced carbolic acid, known as phenol, to sterilize surgical instruments and to clean wounds. Just from that... That man's a freaking genius. Yeah, j just from that brief description, you can now, already was, see how many lives he's saved throughout was, the years. Was that an accident, or was that on purpose? It says Science, it was his idea dude. of using sterile surgery, but we didn't know this back then. This is in 1895 to like, you know, this is like back in the day, bro. That is science, my dude. Just the In innovation based off of... But knowing to sterilize your surgical instruments. Now, I know he didn't know about germ theory, which was the idea of, um, you know, like wa washing your tools off with warm water kills germs rather than cold water. But he still was the one that implemented, like using those like really became like a set way like a lot of people looked at them as ridiculous but well, back then the way these things happen you notice a correlation he probably noticed that huh these people that these specific surgeons that like to keep their stuff clean they they have a higher chance of success hmm well, there's a correlation there let's test let's let's see if cleaner tools mean higher chance of survival well Let's talk about um, applying Louis Pasteur's advances in microbiology. Lister uh, campaigned the use of carbolic acid as an antiseptic so that it became the first widely used antiseptic in surgery. He first suspected it would prove an adequate disinfection because it was used to ease the stench from fields irrigated with sewage waste. He presumed that uh, it was safe because fields treated with carbolic acid produced no apparent ill effects on the livestock that later grazed upon them. So, uh, like how we usually test our medicine out on animals before yeah. we test it out on ourselves. Lister's work led to a reduction in post-operative infections and made surgery safer for patients, distinguishing him as the father of modern surgery really implemented washing hands either of clean or just unable to work in better conditions his difficulty in undertaking the sign of a clean slate wasn't effective so like a lot of people still chose him even though surgeons see oh you're clean you obviously haven't worked much in surgery it's like no i've just no what's you know not to wear bloody stuff bruh i'm like tied yo i'm i'm cleaning <laughs> i'm cleaning your clothes before you do mr clean 
So people bought tickets to the operation theater where the surgery was more of a sense of entertainment. Like we talk about with Robert Lister, or not Robert Liston, Robert Liston, who I always get those guys mixed up, man. Yeah, I'm man. telling you, just the names, they're too similar. I mean, I know they do different things, trust me. This is another inspiration if you read Lindsay Fitzharris book. Yeah, I'm bringing her back into the mix. Um, we, we, we did the Majestic 12 episode in between this. You better fucking swap these out, put this one after the... Lister yeah, episode. No. Well, no one was going to know that until now. <laughs> but um, the whole idea, just like it's 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 crazy to think that like there's this this what was seen as what we would call modern day butchery back then was a, a form of surgery, and now like it's this guy's paving the way for medical like enhancements we use now, like styles that are able to. Like, the whole idea of cleanliness has gotten better off the structure that this guy created. He created literally the foundation of using types of medicines to help with, you know, getting your leg chopped off. So, early life and education. Lister came from a prosperous Quaker home in West Ham, Essex, England. A son of a wine merchant, Joseph Jackson Lister, who was also a pioneer of aromatic object lenses for the compound microscope. So, his father actually invented, like, the first microscope. Jesus. So Lister became a fluent reader of French and German. A young Joseph Lister attended Benjamin Abbott's Isaac Brown's Academy, a Quaker school in Hitchin in Hertfordshire, since converted into the Lord Lister Public House. As a teenager, Lister attended Grove House School in Teddingham, studying mathematics, natural science, and languages. Lister attended University College London, one of the few institutions which accepted Quakers at the time. True. Well, that's hard to think that, you know, we were against Quakers. But, uh, see, I, when I hear Quakers, I think of Quaker oats. Yeah. And going back to corn cornflakes, you know about cornflakes, right? Yeah. Being invented to stop masturbation? No. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? The guy Kellogg's um, believed that it was such a bland cereal that no one would want to masturbate because it was so bland it would just kill your taste for... Yeah. Isn't that weird that cornflakes did that and they put sugar in it? Same thing with uh, Graham, the guy that invented Graham crackers. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, and then s'mores were invented. God. You didn't know. Fucking America. assholes. <laughs> America, we fry fruit, so I don't want to hear it. We, hear, we fry our vegetables, you know. We deep fry everything, too. So it's like, we're going to take whatever you want to make good and turn it into something bad. Well, as, like I said, you know, he studied natural science and mathematics and languages. So, like, it, that someone, obviously, that has a good prowess on what seems to be, like, a smart person. Like, he's yeah. obviously going to develop into something unless he goes to college for nine years and learns nothing. But... You know, he's not studying. What did you study at college? I studied sociology. <laughs> yeah, what's that going to do for you? Like, I studied religion. Okay. Okay. Got it. You didn't want to go get an actual, um, you know, study something like math where we use it every single day, basically. Except I never need to know when train A is going to meet train B at a speed of 45 <laughs> miles an hour in the next two hours. Uh, all that shit leads up to the theoretical sciences, you know. Well, he initially studied botany and obtained a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1847. He registered as a medical student and graduated with honors at a Bachelor's of Medicine, subsequently um, entering the Royal College of Surgeons at the age of 26. So he did all this at the age of 26. Now, we see that as young, but that might be a little bit old for just that time period because people didn't live past like 50. Yeah. 
So it's like, damn, you've already spent like half your life. In 1854, Lister became first the both um, both first assistant to and friend of Surgeon James Simon of the University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh Royal Infirmary in Scotland. There he joined the Royal Medical Society and presented two dissertations in 1855 and 1871, which are still in the possession of the society today. Lister subsequently left the Quakers, joined the Scottish um, Church, and eventually married Sim's daughter, Agnes. On their honeymoon, they spent three months visiting leading medical institutes, such as hospitals and universities in France and Germany. By this time, Agnes was enamored of medical research and was Lister's partner in the laboratory for the rest of her life. So they ended up getting married. He married his teacher's, assist or teacher's daughter, and then... They became working together and creating all this stuff together. Like being, that's crazy to think. That's a relationship that lasts. Like you yeah. don't want to find someone's like, I hate that you do surgeries and work with medical. Why don't you get a business job? It's like, I am doing great business with chopping people's legs off and actually finding a way to help a kid not cry his eyes out. So career and work. Before Lister's studies of surgery, most People believed that chemical damage from exposure to bad air was responsible for infections and wounds. Hospital ward, wards were occasionally aired out at midday as a precaution against the spread of infection via miamisa, but facilities for washing hands or patient wounds were not available. A surgeon was not required to wash his hands before seeing a patient because such practices were not considered necessary to avoid infection. Despite the work of Agnes Semmelweis and Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., hospitals practiced surgery under unsanitary conditions. Surgeons of the time referred to the good old surgical stink and took pride in the stains on their unwashed operating gowns as a display of their experience. So obviously, if you have a butcher, you want him to be covered in blood yeah. rather than a uh, clean guy. Because you're like, how do you even cut the meat? Like, what are you doing? You just, is it frozen in the back or something? But you have a surgeon covered in blood. You're like, that guy's been through a lot of surgeries. Like, he obviously is the guy I want, the one with the most experience. We see doctors now and we're like, so how many uh, surgeries you got? You know, we like to look at the resume instead of yeah. looking at Turns out the resume is now the badge of honor. So is your college diploma. I just want to thank copy and paste. <laughs> so, while he was a professor of surgery at the University of Glasgow, Lister became aware of a paper published by the French chemist Louis Pasteur showing that food spoilage could occur under anaerobic conditions if micro microorganisms were present. Pasteur suggested three methods to eliminate the microorganism responsible. Filtration, exposure to heat, or exposure to solutions slash chemical solutions. Lister confirmed this, and that's when he started implementing, like, washing, like, using warm water instead of cold water. So Pasteur's conclusions with his own experiments and decided to use his findings to develop an antiseptic techniques for wounds. So he actually got the idea from Pasteur. So Louis Pasteur gave Liston, the, Lister the idea of... Um, Spraying these wounds with a type of analgesic, uh, not analgesic, anesthetic. Analgesic for your ass. I'm sure. <laughs> As for the first two methods suggested by Pasteur were dangerous and unsafe for the treatment of human tissue, Lister experimented with the third idea. In 1834, Friedland Fredenen Runge discovered phenol also known as carbolic acid, which he derived in an impure form from coal tar. At the time, there was uncertainty between the substance of 
Creosate, a chemical that had been used to treat wood used for railway ties and ships since it protected the wood from rotting, and carbolic acid. Upon hearing that creosote, or creosote, I, I don't know. Creosote? Creosote, yeah. What is that? I don't know. He said it's like a form of like tar. Yeah. It's a chemical that's used to treat wood for railway ties. Yeah, I, th- I think I've heard of creosote oil too. It's protecting treat it from rotting. Yeah. I literally just read it and I was like, what is it? <laughs> I think I think I've seen it in like little tiny like cans. So it's like been, brush it over. Well, wood. you use it to treat sewage. Oh. Well, Lister began to test the efficiency of carbolic acid when applied directly to wounds. Therefore, Lister tested the results of spraying instruments, the surgical incisions, and dressings with the solution of carbolic acid. Lister found that the solution swabbed on wounds remarkably reduced the incidence of gangrene. That's a smart, inspirational idea. Spray your instruments with this stuff at this time? Nobody was doing that. But not to spray it on the patient. Like, in my mind, I get, you know, a type of spray. I'm like, eh, spray it on myself. You know, test it out. You know, not not sprayed on the wall, except when I'm spraying deodorant. That's still I don't one. know if they had spray. That's what you chalk it up to, man. The example of when you're testing deodorant out in the store, and so yeah. spray it on yourself, spray it on the thing, and then smell it. It smells good, then spray it on yourself, and then walk out. Don't pay for that shit. <laughs> so, there, um, so after he dipped all this stuff in, like, that's just already a, a big thing. Like, trying to reduce the gangrene, first of all, which is a big leading infection back then killing most of the population like in august 1865 lister applied a piece of lint dipped in carbolic acid solution onto the wound of a seven-year-old boy at glasgow infirmary who had sustained a compound fracture after a cartwheel had passed over his leg after four days he renewed the pad and discovered that no infection had developed and after a total of six weeks he was amazed to discover that the boy's bones had fused back together Without the danger of, uh, you know, getting that thing chopped off. Imagine that boy. God. Thank the, you, the, Seth. The, the first... Tiny Tim would have kept his leg. God, the first treatment using antiseptic and having your bones repaired. Like, God. That little boy must have thought it was a work of God or something. Jeez. So, he instructed surgeons under responsibility to wear clean gloves and wash their hands before and after operations with a 5% carbolic acid solution. Instruments were also washed in the same solution and assistants sprayed the solution in their operating theater. One of his additional uh, suggestions was to stop using porous natural materials in manufacturing the handles of medical instruments. Lister left Glasgow University in 1869, but being succeeded by Professor George Husband Baird McLeod, Lister then returned to Edinburgh as successor to Syme as Professor of Surgery at the University of Edinburgh. And he continued to develop improved methods of antiseptics and, and, and asbestos. So amongst those he worked with there, he, he who helped him with his work was a senior apothecary and later MD, Dr. Alexander Gunn. Lister's fame had spread by then, and audiences of 400 often came to hear him lecture. As the germs theory of disease became more understood, it was realized that infection could be better avoided by preventing bacteria from getting into wounds in the first place. This led to the rise of less primitive surgery. On the 100th anniversary of his death in 2012, Lister was considered the most um, valuable in the medical field as the father of modern surgery. 
imagine being a doctor or a scientist back in that day where there's still so much like low hanging fruit to just pluck. Well, if like, we had like, the knowledge oh, we germs, have now. Oh, antiseptic. What? Who? Like if we had the knowledge we had now and went back then, we would be revolutionaries much like this guy. Yeah. Like it, I he might have just had a, like a a, a a vision into a glimpse of like some knowledge of the future. You never know. But let's talk about some criticism on a good old Lister here. Well, although Lister was so roundly honored in later life, his ideas about the transmission of infection, the use of antiseptics, were widely criticized in his early career. In 1869, at the meetings of the British Association of Leeds, Lister's ideas were mocked, and then again in 1873. The medical journal The Lancelot warned the entire medical profession against his progressive ideas. However, Lister did have some supporters, including Marcus Beck, a consultant surgeon at the University College Hospital, who not only practiced Lister's antiseptic technique, but included it in the next edition of one of the main surgical textbooks of the time. So that's like the same idea. Who was the guy that this, like decided, you know... Who created, uh, like, the idea for the television? Like, oh, you're going to create a moving picture? Shut up, you idiot. And then gets criticized for that. This guy's trying to form medicine down the road and find a better way to keep people safe and healthy. And he's people are just mocking him. How would you feel? People are afraid of change. It's are we just afraid of it? Or are we just, we don't want change? As much as we say we do, it's like... Like, yeah, maybe we are just afraid. We don't afraid, want to resistant, like, people get comfortable, and change is inherently uncomfortable. Like, you can't think of a hospital now, like, at least in our lives, where this wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, this good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's always getting better. We're finding new ways to stop things. We're finding new ways to fix things. We're finding that you don't need to chop your leg off if it gets broken like you can keep it you know you can pedal that bike the next day once your leg gets healed or something like it's just crazy to think how you know idiotic we were like how you gonna you know before how do they knock people out they used to talk about it i don't know if it's a myth but someone would come in and knock the person out and then do that like they hit you in the head with a hammer some dude knocks you out like yeah be really good like mike tyson style punching god I definitely suggest people look up Lindsay uh, Fitzharris' book, uh, The Art of Butchery, because you can get some good information on this type of subject. So, Lister's use of carbolic acid proved problematic. The spray caused respiratory and visual discomfort, and the soap bandages are suspected to have had damaged tissue, so his teachings and methods were not always adopted in their entirety. They were also based on germ theory, which was in its infancy basically made adoption of his ideas slow. Extrabating general criticisms was Lister's poor writing abilities, which made his methods more, basically seem complicated, unorganized, and impractical. I mean, if you see a bunch of a, a guy's notes all scribbled up, you're like, this guy was obviously a baffling idiot. Like, yeah. how many times do you have a really good idea, but you just write down a keyword? Like, you have a funny thing about corn, like a funny joke or something, and you write yeah. down corn on a piece of paper. Or I'll scribble so it on a napkin. It. Yeah. And you go back to reading, you're like, what was I talking about? What the about? fuck? Or, but, like, it's like someone else sees and goes, this guy's a simple, a simpleton. Like, but it's hard. Like, you're, you're having all these constant ideas. Like, William Shakespeare's work had to be translated and, like, you know, so we could understand it. And it's like, 
he was either, you know, sometimes you're in a rush of such inspiration. You don't want to lose all the words and your brain's moving so fast. It's faster than your hands can compare. And you can't chalk that up to, uh, but that was just their train of thought when it came to this whole idea of his creations. So referred to as his patient by his patients as, um, uh, people like not cases that most surgeons would be making so comfortable pre and post operation. So what that means, like he would make them comfortable before surgery and after surgery. Yeah. He would check on them a lot, like uh, uh, we talked about with Lister. Um, Robert Liston. What you got God wrong? This damn time. it! Yeah, <laughs> man, it's confusing. But Robert Liston that makes his patients comfortable too. He was also Joseph Lister was also big on that. He would spray more antiseptic if he needed it. He would be all about that, trying to implement it as much as possible. Um, surgical technique. Lister moved from Scotland to King's College Hospital in London. In 1881, he was elected president of the uh, Clinical Study of London. He was also developed a method of repairing kneecaps with metal wire and improved the technique of mastectomy. He is also known for the first surgeon in the cat lig ligatures, sutures, rubber drains, and developing an a tornic, tor tourniquet. Those are some. I've never seen those words spelled out, so I mean, I know what they are, but yeah. He was also introduced a diluted spray of carbolic acid combined with a surgical use. However, he abandoned the carbolic acid spray in the late 1890s after he saw it provided no actual beneficial change in the outcomes of the surgeries performed with the carbolic acid spray. The only reported reactions were minor symptoms that did not affect the surgical outcome as a whole, like coughing, irritation of the eye, and minor tissue damage among his patients who were exposed to the carbolic acid sprays during the surgery. Later life, Lister's wife had long helped him in research, and after her death in Italy in 1893, during one of the few holidays they allowed themselves, he retired from practice. Studying and writing lost appeal for him, and he sank into religious melancholy. Despite suffering a stroke, he still came into the public light from time to time on August 24, 1902. Edward VIII came down to the appendicitis Two days later, before his scheduled coordination, like all internal surgery at the time, the appendectomy needed by the king still posed an extremely high risk of death by post-operational infection, and surgeons did not dare operate without consulting Britain's leading surgical authority. Lister, Ob obliquely, latest antiseptic surgical methods uh, became a very prowess to the king. Actually, where when Lister performed the surgery, the king survived, and... Um, later telling Lister, he goes, I know that if I had not been to you for your work, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So, you know, everybody was afraid to work on the king, but, you know, the king went to Lister because he knew that Lister could make it as comfortable as possible and try and make sure you lived and didn't get infected. He cared about that, and a lot of surgeons were like, yeah, we don't believe in that. So, it's especially when you, if you kill the king, even if it's in a surgery trying to save his life, you got to think. You're dead. You're probably dead. Yeah. So, let's talk about his death. Lister died on the 10th of February, 1912, at his country home, now known as uh, the Coast House in Walmart, Kent, at the age of 84. After a funeral service at Westminster Abbey, he was buried at the West Hampton Cemetery, London, in a plot to the southeast of the Central Chapel. Both the Bartomery and Harmony became extinct on his death. So, the whole fact... Now, when after his wife died, he became very religious, and that's where a lot of people lost criticism with uh, Lister. 
a lot of people are like, all right, he's gone into a madman. I don't see him as turning into a man of religion. I see him as doing what most people do when they lose a loved one and they fall to something because they feel like they need faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely a lot like what inspires most religions is, you know, people need something to believe in, especially when you basically lose your partner and someone that's helping you. Someone that's helped you in your career and life. Yeah. Like. You don't want to just believe, like, yep, that's that's it. They're gone forever. <laughs> so some of his legacies and honors. Lister was president of the Royal Society between 1895 and the 1900s. Following his death, the Memorial Fund led to the founding of Lister's Medal, seen as the most prestigious prize that could be awarded to a surgeon. Lister's discoveries were greatly praised, and in 1883, Queen Victoria created him a baronet of Park Crescent in the parish of St. Maldable County of Middlesex. In 1897, he was further honored when Her Majesty raised him to the peerage as Baron Lister of Lyme Regis in the County of Dorset. In the 1902 coordination honors listed, um, published on 26 June 1902, the original day of King Edward VIII's coordination, Lord Lister was appointed a privy counselor and one of the original members of the New Order of Merit. He received the order from the king on the August 8, 1902, and was a sworn member of the council at Buckingham Palace on the 11th of August, 1902. Now, if you don't know what the Council of Merit is, or you know what the New Order of Merit is, it's a society of like, like if you look through, a lot of them are like historical figures, like yeah. It's like it's like where we talk about the Freemasons. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's, it's people of note, of worth. Yeah, but of they're merit. they're not really a cult. It's more like it just like a it's 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 where they it's like the hall of like hall of famers. Yeah, yeah, hall of famers. Like where we got <laughs> Babe Ruth. So it's you know it's crazy to think that you know this guy had all these ideas that even just came into. You know, they were being, first of all, rejected and seen as crazy, but then they, like, it paved the way for medical technology in the long run. Lister is one of two surgeons in the United Kingdom who have the honor of having a public monument in London. Lister stands in Portland Place. The other surgeon is John Hunter. There is a statue of Lister in Kelgrove Park, Glasgow, celebrating his links with the city in 1903. The British Institute of Premeditative Medicine was renamed Lister Institute of Preventive Medicine in um, uh, name of Joseph Lister. The building, along with another adjacent building, forms what is now the Lister Hospital in Chelsea, opened in 1985. In 2000, it became part of the HCA Group of Hospitals. A building at the Glasgow Royal Infirmary, which houses uh, cytopathology, microbiology, and pathology departments, were named in Lister's honor to recognize his work at the hospital. Lister's Hospital in Stevenage, Hertonshire, England, is named in honor of Lister. The Discovery Expedition of 1901-04 named the highest point in the Royal Society range, Antarctica Mount Lister. So he's got a mountain named after him. Damn. You gotta think, that's kind of sucked that he wasn't alive to see all this. Most of these people aren't, because tr- like truly important people usually aren't recognized in their time, you know? Is it hard, to, is it like the aspect of, like, someone has to die to be famous? Like, someone, like someone's work doesn't become famous until after they're dead? Like, it obviously becomes more popular, but it's like, the whole idea, like, why did it, why did he have to die? Like, why was he criticized so much? And, like, even though he had some, like, 
you know, he had some good titles while he was alive towards the end of his life, like, you know, being barren and all that stuff. But, like, the whole fact, like, you know, he had to die to get a mountain named after him. I want to be alive and climb that mountain if yeah. it's going to be named after me. Like, it's it's just a sad fact that change takes a long time, and people who incite change usually burn fast, you know? Like... A candle that burns twice as bright goes out twice as fast. Yeah. What you're saying. Well, what do you think about Joseph Lister? Do you think he was obviously a beneficial human in the race? Oh, obviously. I mean, someone who, like that, like... Re- I mean, he, he obviously... Revolutionized. He lived medical. a long life, but... Yeah. yeah. Like, recognize the importance of this, this kind of change, you know? Like, saw that people are dying where they shouldn't be, and didn't have to you know but being able to find a way to first implement cleanliness in hospitals and using it in the medical field i mean that's just a big advancement for any anything and that that, just to think those are the stepping stones that take into account when we think about what we use now in the medical field imagine if this guy wasn't created or this guy didn't implement this stuff if we're still chopping off legs without spraying it with any type of antiseptic or we weren't cleaning our wounds we weren't applying band-aids we weren't doing stuff like that like we're just letting stuff get infected all the time think how big our population would be now would that be beneficial or would that be a detriment maybe not as much of a uh, character as Liston you still like Liston Liston's uh the fastest knife in the West End. Yeah, that that kind of character. He just has like a superhero aspect. Yeah, that, this guy like Sherlock like Holmes, but this is more like superhero. Th- this is what brain. we're talking about when we're talking like historical figures. Yeah, like, like this guy's like the not guy. the fastest blade in the West, but uh, probably saved countless more lives than John. Well, you got to think, you know, the pioneer of medicine and the pioneer of surgery. So yeah. it's like. You're dealing with the guy that was more hands-on than a guy that's like, I'm more book smart, but I invented yeah, so, a lot someone of someone who books. himself improved the science himself rather than the man who would inspire the doctors and scientists like John Liston, you know. Well, anybody, Not John Liston. What was his name? Are you serious, bro? How many times are you going to mix up Joseph Lister and Robert? Robert Liston. Robert Liston is the fastest knife in the West End. Listen, dude. <laughs> well, it comes down to... Anybody that wants to get more research, I suggest looking up Lindsay Fitzharris's book known as The Art of Butchery and uh, definitely give it a check out because it's cool to know that there's people like this throughout history that have been very beneficial to our production in society and just our development as a whole, man. We're, we're taking steps and now we're learning how to run and it seems like what's going to be the next thing that's going to be invented next? I'm excited, dude. The future is... Are you excited or scared? I'm more excited. Optimistic. I'm buckling in and hoping it's a good ride. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode and stay tuned for more episodes of Fill in the Blank Podcast. Yeehaw.